Hello my friends, this is Alex. Welcome to Socialism Survival Podcast number 63. What a day this Monday. I had to spend lots of time covering my garden from being frozen and didn't have any time for podcast until 10 p.m. That's why earliest you all will get it is on Tuesday morning. But I decided if I could do it every week from September 2009, I can do it for this week too, even if slightly delayed. For the same reason I still didn't finish my new website, urgent things come first. But it will be done, just need more time. Before I will get to my subject, here is my traditional virtual housekeeping and community organizing. I wish happy Hanukkah to all Jewish and Messianic friends as a part of Socialism Survival Community. I hope you have a wonderful time. Your gradle is turning and your latkes taste great. Please, everyone, visit my website at socialismsurvival.com and subscribe to receive email notifications of my future shows. As a subscriber, you will be the first who is notified of anything else important within this community. Also, as a listener, you are invited to be a part of Socialism Survival Community on Facebook. You can join it and become my Twitter follower also using corresponding links on my website. I encourage you to use socialismsurvival.com site also to listen to my earliest uh, podcasts. You will find all my archive right there. And whenever you refer any of your friends or family members to Socialism Survival podcast, please advise them to do the same. If you have your own site or blog, don't forget to link to my website. Let's do our part of education and our part of resistance to socialism with the conservative counter-propaganda. A few months ago, my wife gave me a book, Thou Shall Prosper, written by Rabbi Daniel Lapin, with foreword by Dave Ramsey. The purpose of such gift was, of course, to make me and my family, our family, more successful and prosperous. According to Dave Ramsey, he would only hire someone had read this book, although I didn't plan to get hired on Dave Ramsey's show, I still 
respected him for inspiring our family to get rid of debt, and therefore finally started reading the book with 10 commandments for making money as its subtitle. Let me tell you, I wasn't uh, disappointed. While I didn't finish yet the whole book, just first 50 pages, and while the word socialism rarely was mentioned there, but to my surprise, many things I've read are resonating with my anti-socialist message. While presenting Jewish approach to business and making money, Rabbi Daniel explains how we are all persuaded here in America that business is evil, which is actually giving explanation to one part of American socialist propaganda. Soviet regime did the same. Under Stalin's leadership, private businesses were demonized by Soviet socialist propaganda. In order to wind up public opinion and to justify later the seizure of factories and farms and murder of innocent, hard-working people. When Rabbi Daniel explains how children in America from early education are taught that business is bad, that reminds me Soviet education that I survived under socialism dictatorship. Demonizing entrepreneurship is a part of building mass slave mentality. Because owning successful business gives you independence and that is totally against socialist agenda whose plans are to see next generation of Americans as obedient slaves who will need the clay with their feet for the construction of their socialist utopia. Talking about education in America, Rabbi Daniel Lapin says on pages 36 and 37, quote, It is said that everyone seems to have been conditioned to moral skepticism regarding business. Imagine watching a high school teacher asking each of her students in turn to tell the class what career path they were interested in selecting and the reasons why. One boy stands up and announces, I want to become an environmental consultant so I can ensure clean air and water for all. Everyone cheers. The next student informs the class that she wants to become a medical researcher in order to find a cure for AIDS. Everyone applauds wildly. Another student reveals that his dream is to become a teacher. 
so that I can help poor youngsters step on to the elevator of the American dream. Everyone gasps in admiration at the idealism of the future educator. Finally, the last girl is asked of her plans. She furrows her brow for a few moments and then slowly and clearly says, I want to become a highly successful business executive so I can improve the world and make a difference in many people's lives. I think that in most schools, gaffers of precious laughter would greet this perfectly reasonable statement. This is not such an imaginary lesson. Between 1990 and 1995, Germany lost nearly half a million jobs. Although some of the economic batterings experienced by the Germans during this period might be attributed to costs incurred in the reunification of East and West Germany, the German weekly magazine Wirtschaufwache presented a different explanation. It claimed that the sad economic performance of the country whose industry gave the world the term economic miracle was due to Germany's educational establishment spending the previous three decades teaching kids that money is a bad thing. Wurz auf Wache surveyed the country and revealed that 40% of Germans say they regard entrepreneurs as exploiters, up from 17% since the last poll in 1965. They discovered that a majority of 16 to 19-year-olds, presumably an age group ready for risk, says no thanks to the idea of starting a business. The older age groups who attended school prior to those years and escaped the educational anti-business indoctrination showed far more enthusiasm for entrepreneurial activities. When organizations, countries or companies allow themselves to believe that making money lacks social value, they should not be surprised to see their economic performance decline. The same holds true for individuals. The end of quote. In the next point, Rabbi Lapin shows that movies and television conspire to make you poor. He writes, quote, in his book Hollywood vs. America, my friend Michael Medved 
wrote that prior to 1965, television shows portrayed businessmen as good guys twice as often as bad guys. This ratio was reversed in 1970s when audiences were treated to two business villains for every good guy. Medved points out that during Hollywood's golden age in the 1930s and 1940s, businessmen frequently appeared in a highly sympathetic light. In the 1933 George Cukor classic Dinner at Eight, Lionel Barrymore played a decent and dignified shipping magnate struggling to keep his company afloat. And in the cherished family film It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart's character George Bailey is a humane, compassionate and likable banker. Today, the very idea of a likable banker has become unthinkable. Big business has become the media's favorite villain. The end of the quote. Well, since 1930s and 1940s, American film makers, they moved far away towards socialism and learned a lot from Soviet colleagues traveling often to Soviet Union. Of course, Hollywood zombies excluded themselves from the demonized business category. They still want to stuff their pockets with your cash and do not consider it immoral. And no one even gets that crazy idea that socialist ruling elite must be poor also. When socialists speak of equality of rights, they do not mean equality between you and them, but equality among you, slaves, Maybe they, as elite, won't be all equally rich among themselves. But at the same time, they are convincing the rest of the people using all strength, all might of their propaganda machine that they must be equally happy being equally poor. By repeating their mantra over and over and over that business is evil, American media, that is 90% works on socialist camp, prepares U.S. citizens to even larger government takeover than what we have seen so far. Rubai Lapin 
continues on page 44 of his book. While, quote, while certainly admiring the achievements of many of today's wildly successful young entrepreneurs, many Americans have become conditioned to distrust the morality of business. One can almost hear the popular applause when large companies have their wrists slapped by government uh, bureaucracies. Individuals possessing little familiarity with the complexities of antitrust laws, for instance, enthusiastically encourage legal action against conspicuously successful enterprises. Some of this can be seen as requiting of envy, which is in itself destructive. But much also springs from widespread sentiment that both companies and individuals only prosper at the expense of other invisible victims. When companies are penalized by obscure governmental regulations, they are surely only getting what they deserve. Even those champions of business whom one would expect to be defending the institution of business shy away from insisting on its intrinsic capacity for virtue and morality and instead concede that altogether false point that business is about greed. The twist they introduce is brazenly proclaiming greed to be good. Industry Standard magazine once featured an article called The Gospel of Greed, which observed the growing popularity of Ayn Rand's theories of objectivism based on turning selfishness into a virtue. There is an overwhelming problem with simply dismissing business as being an expression of greed, reprehensibly greed, but one that somehow also helps a few lucky but unworthy people. The majority of decent, hardworking Americans regard greed as and selfishness not as virtues but as vices. For this reason, attempting to defend business by conceding that business is about greed, but never mind, greed is actually good, is doomed to fail. The notion that business is good because it is greedy will never win people's hearts and minds. Foolishly claiming that business is about greed merely confirms the growing cultural conviction that business is a truth fundamentally immoral, that even if commerce may be necessary for a healthy economy, it is a necessary evil. Best-selling author Dinesh de Souza sums up this idea.
capitalism has won the economic war, but it has not yet won the moral war. Sadly, I would humbly have to correct my friend Dinesh. While I agree with him that capitalism hasn't won the moral war, I fear that it hasn't even won the economic war. All it takes is for a few Enron and WorldCom executives to be sentenced to prison, an economic crisis in which banks and Wall Street are portrayed as the cause and government riding to the rescue for most people to believe the very worst of capitalism. Newsweek magazine ran a cover story in February 2009 entitled We are all socialists now. The article highlighted declining faith in capitalism as a viable system and showed how Americans have accepted dramatic growth in government spending over the past 10 years. Had capitalism won the economic war, we wouldn't have been treated to the supreme irony of Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin's speech at the opening ceremony of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland in January 2009. Among a number of memorable moments was this warning he issued to the United States. Executive intervention in economic activity and blind faith in the state's omnipotence is another possible mistake. Look, my friend, this is the end of the quote. Even Vladimir Putin, who's not obviously got a gift to the world, even he understands of course, considering his vast Soviet experience, America with its socialism is on the wrong track, actually on its road to self-destruction, the road to poverty. Concluding today's subject, I believe we would agree again with Rabbi Daniel Lapin, that only by teaching morality of making business and instilling moral principles of God's world, America will be able to restore its prosperity. Of course, not everyone who is in business is doing it right. There are some thieves, And my intuition says most of them are on the left side. But generally, natural selection works in business very well. If you are a dishonest, selfish person, which is immoral, others will turn away from you and you will fail because you are immoral. And on the other hand, if doing your business honestly, you provide to others what they need. 
you're not exploiting or not robbing them as socialists say and you will deservedly prosper it may look strange but it is what it is that socialism which is based on atheism believes in the darwin's natural selection when speaks about the nature but denies the same approach when it comes to the business for example instead of allowing natural selection to decide the fate of gm corporation they bailed out gm in other words placed big business in socialist purse using your money how long it will go and how far it will get will the immorality of socialism win or will the morality of capitalist business win nobody knows for sure we are in a war right here and whoever wins will decide the future of this great country and eventually the fate of the world Thank you for listening to this podcast. My desire was and is that this great country would be restored to the godly principles of life and prosperity while at the same time not being the part of TV prosperity preachers who talking to you trying to collect your money that's why i dedicated this time to this subject and used for the most part for this podcast the wonderful book that i continue reading and if you would like to buy rabbi daniel's book and continue reading with me you can find the Amazon link in the book section of socialismsurvival.com website when you scroll down on the right side of the front page. I believe that in this Hanukkah season it is a great opportunity to get together around the book and learn how to take America back to prosperity and away from socialism and that is the kind of blessing that i wish to you all when i say again and again god bless you and god bless america until the next week when you will hear again the voice of the common sense your socialism survival hosts Alex.